Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Joaquin Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. Man, that worship was so good, eh? Thank you, Father. Yay. Well, it's good to be back. Um, I, uh, I shared two weeks ago that I was going to be in the Bay Area last weekend, uh, which I was, and uh, it was great. We had a good time, took a, took a team here uh, with us. There was eight of us that went, and uh, it was awesome. We had a great time. God did good things. I tell you, I, was, uh, I, I watched the service, the stream of the service a little bit. It's, uh, it's later here than it is there, so during service here, it was afternoon session there, and I wasn't, I wasn't speaking that session, but during transition time, I, I caught a glimpse of the, uh, of the service on my phone. I had my, my earbud in, and I'm watching service here while I'm in service in California, and I caught it just in time to see Renee trying to crack the whip on stage, and I'm like, oh, Lord, what is happening? What is happening back home? But then I got to watch the rest of the service, and man, did she bring it or what? <laughs> that was, uh, I was, it was amazing. And uh, yeah, so proud of you, babe. You're awesome. Um, and uh, I, also, I also caught, uh, right before that, Eddie, before he handed it to, uh, to Renee, he was talking about uh, some testimonies. He was mentioning people in the room uh, during worship, and somebody who had been dying on their deathbed, and now they they were in the in the room worshiping with you last week, <laughs> which was amazing. And uh, and and in California, so obviously we did a conference, we did uh, you know several sessions, uh, actually a couple of different churches around the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, and a couple of cool things. God did awesome stuff in the moment in the room. There was a lady who came with a walker to one of the services, and the fire of God hit her during worship. <clears throat> she was doubled over in their seat. The fire of God's hitting her. She's sweating through her clothes as God's bringing healing to her body. She gets up after that not needing her walker. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I Another lady who had severe hearing loss, God, God opened her ears, we got to pray for her, ears popped open, and sometimes people don't know how to respond to a miracle, you know, they're, they're more shocked than, they're like, whoa, what just happened, and then sometimes people get, like, she just broke down and was crying at the awe of what God had just done for her, and it was, it was awesome. <clears throat> uh, God did several other things, but something that was cool is that a number of people um, had came up and shared with me something that happened several years ago. And obviously, we, we come from California, and the Bay Area was a place that, that uh, uh, several times I went down there and, and just sewing into that region. A young man comes up to me. He says, you probably don't recognize me, but six years ago, I was in a meeting that you did here in this area, and I had, and I had chronic depression. Um, pretty much my whole life, and I got delivered six years ago and haven't had depression since. Thank you, Jesus. And then, and then um, this couple that, that was hosting one of the meetings, the first night that we did, they were hosting the meeting, 
I didn't find out till afterwards. They're driving, driving me back to the hotel, and she starts telling the story that seven years ago they came out of um, an evangelical church, no, no experience with the supernatural, the power of God, any of that stuff. Seven years ago, their first experience with any of that stuff was a healing, um, a healing conference meeting that I was doing down there. They came, encountered God, got wrecked by His presence. And they now, they now lead a school of ministry that's equipping others in the supernatural. And they just planted a church there that's going after the presence of God. <clears throat> Come on, lasting fruit. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, so I was listening to Eddie share those testimonies last week. Come on. There we go. And... Uh, and then those people are sharing testimonies with me, and, and I just felt like God stir this thing in me that he said, you need to be thankful for the fruit and the seed of the fruit. Yeah. And we know, that, we know that testimony is, you know, it's the fruit of, of his goodness. And God does something good in our midst in the moment. We're like, oh, that's good fruit. And we, we celebrate that fruit, but do we, are we just celebrating the fruit? Are we celebrating the power of the testimony that that fruit actually has seed that has the ability to produce more fruit? And like what I'm saying is that these people are coming up to me six and seven years later and saying uh, uh, everything has changed and we're now going this direction and we're now seeing all this additional fruit in our lives because of that one moment. But it's not just the power of the moment, it's the seed that is in the moment. So I felt like God was like, when you give thanks, are you giving thanks just for the fruit? Are you giving thanks for the seed of the fruit? Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you're talking about being hungry, if you're, if you're, if you're just snackish, you might not even be interested in the fruit. You're like, what else is there? Listen, if you're hungry, you're like, oh, yes, fruit. But listen, if you're trying to grow an orchard, you want the fruit and the seed that's in the fruit. Let's not discard the seed that's in the fruit. Come on. Can we just give God, can we just give God thanks for being good in our midst? But not just, not just good for today, not just good yesterday, but for all the goodness that he's going to release over the weeks, the months, the years the decades to come on. Come on, let's just thank you, Jesus. Let's just take a moment. Can we just have a, a Thanksgiving moment? Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing and all that you're getting ready to do. Father, in Jesus' holy, wonderful, and mighty name, somebody said, Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I like that guy. Come on. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to be even more undignified than this. Well, according to Renee, you're going to bear more fruit. So get it. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody, anybody interested in going to higher levels? Aren't you glad that God's always taken us? into increase. Aren't you glad that we have a good father? 
who has good plans for us? Can I get an amen to that? Um, okay. I almost forgot this one. It's just so fun. So I'm backing up testimonies from the Bay Area. I was hanging out with this guy named Scott McNamara. He was in the, um, uh, the uh, Finger of God uh, movie, I think the second one. And uh, he's awesome. Like this guy, he's, we're going to get him out here sometime. He is, he is the best. He is the best person-to-person evangelist that I've ever met. I mean, we went out, we went out, we were like an hour, hour, maybe an hour and a half, probably not even that long. We're out in this shopping area, and listen, this guy led nine people to Jesus. No, I'm not kidding. He led nine people to Jesus, and he, like, like, with phone numbers and addresses and emails, right, he's got scraps of paper hanging out of his pocket, right? I mean, just... (laughs) overloaded with the goodness of God and the fruit of God. It's good just to hang out with people that inspire you, that stir you up, that, that call you to higher levels. And I'm like, ooh, that guy's got something fresh on him. I need to get around that. So I'm, we're going to have him come at some point, and I'm going to get around him. You can get around him too if you want to, if you want to come hang out. All right, we're going to talk about going to higher levels. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and then we're going to, we're actually going to jump over to Psalms 105, but I've, I've referenced this so many times, but I want to hit it one more time. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And uh, we've talked about this before, but, but this new thing that the Bible talks about, when you, you look at it in the Greek, it's, it's actually something that never existed before. And again, this is repeat, but, but God doesn't just, when God comes into your life, when you said yes to Jesus, when he stepped inside of you and he makes you brand new, according to God, he doesn't just make you a polished off version of your old self. Thank you, Jesus. But he actually makes us a new creation, something that never existed before. So all the, all the limitations that we used to know, they don't exist anymore. So and all the access to heaven that we didn't have, that doesn't exist anymore. And all the shame and all the God, that doesn't exist anymore. This new creation has access to the Father. This new creation has been made completely clean. Thank you, Jesus. And this, and I actually want to talk about this transformation, a key to this transformation of being a new creation and going from glory to glory tonight. Is that all right with you? Thank you, Jesus. Hop over to Psalms 105. Thank you, Jesus. Now, put on your seatbelt, because we're going to read quite a few verses, because I'm like, God, what, what, what can I cut out? It's all too good. I can't cut any of it out. So we're just going to read a bunch. <clears throat> That's all right. <clears throat> we, can, we can feast on the Word of God. Amen? So Psalms 105 says this, 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Talking about the testimonies of Jesus, appreciating everything that he has done. Verse 4, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgment of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Thank you, Jesus. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Here, listen, verse 8, he remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Somebody say, that includes me. Verse 9, the covenant which he made with Abraham and the oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute. To Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan and as as the allotment of your inheritance when they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. Just hang with me for a minute. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. I love this. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my people no harm. Somebody just say amen to that. That is awesome. He rebuked kings for their sake and said, do not touch my anointed ones. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land and he destroyed all the provisions of bread. He sent a man. Here's where we're landing. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king the king sent and released him, the ruler of the people, let him go free, and made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions, to bind the prince of his pleasure and to teach the elders wisdom. Thank you, Jesus. That was a mouthful. <clears throat> now, this, this says right here, it's the, the story of Joseph. And it says, verse 19 again, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. And we know the story of Joseph, and his father loved him, and he made him a multicolored coat, and Joseph had this dream of his father and mother and his brothers bowing down to him, and they didn't like that dream very much. And they end up selling him into slavery. He gets taken into Egypt, <clears throat> but and he ends up in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar recognizes the hand of the Lord on him. And favor starts to rise in his life. And then Potiphar's wife comes into the scene, right? And she tries to seduce him. He doesn't go for it, but she accuses him anyway, and he ends up in prison. Jesus. You seeing Jesus in this story yet? <laughs> so he's in prison, and he, and he continues to serve and operate in, in uh, the gifting and the favor that's on his life. It, that while he's in prison, the chief, the chief uh, baker is put in prison, and the, the chief, um, the other guy, baker. I say that already? 
cupbearer. Thank you. They're both put in prison, and it says that Joseph was assigned to serve them. Now listen, he's in prison. Something happens in our, in our ability, our willingness to serve. The Bible says that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he didn't sit there and sulk and like, oh, like, well, I'm so gifted. Don't you know I have a promise from God? I have a call from God. No, he's in prison. And what does he do? He serves them. He actually brings his gifts before them in his lowest place, in his darkest moment. He still stirs up the gifts of God that are in him. And they have a dream, and he brings the interpretation of the dream. That, fast forward, that then releases favor, right? The, the, the baker gets out, and the king has a dream. He's like, I can't fi- figure out the interpretation. And he remembers. He goes, oh, I know a guy that can help you out. I met this guy in prison. He gets released, and he ends up becoming Pharaoh's right-hand man, ruling over the entire, the entire kingdom, with major influence, allowing him to bind his princes at his desire and to teach wisdom to his elders. Not only that, but he created provision and safety for his family when they were in need. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about that that God has a promise for you. Can I get an amen to that? (laughs) That, that God has a promise for you, that God has a promise for all of us, and sometimes that when God gives us that promise, the next thing he does is test us. Oops, I didn't get any amens on that one. I'm not sure what happened there, but <clears throat> I'm going to keep going anyway. <laughs> Listen, this is, this is so wild. This part about he rebuked kings in verse 14 for their sake, His people saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. How many people think that's God standing up for his people? Like being amazing, being a covering, being this great God, amazing. Look at the next, the very next verse. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. Wait, what? (laughs) Do them no harm. Don't touch my anointed ones. And the next thing, he calls a famine. The thing is that that God works in mysterious ways, amen? That that God, this this is a key from going from glory to glory. Because I actually believe that God has given promises to people in this room. That there's mighty calls of God on people in this room. And I feel like that in some places of the call, or maybe the entirety of the call, that some of us hit the eject button because the test came, and we're like, whoa, this isn't God. And we jumped off the call, but I tell you, tonight's going to put you, God's going to put you back on the call. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, the, when... When God comes, when God gives you a promise, it's like, it's like the, the, being at the car show and they have, they have their, 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 um, can't talk tonight. 
They're concept cars, right? The new models that aren't actually out, right? They're, they're five years down the road, but they have, this, they have this concept car there, and they have it on stage, and it's like rotating, right? And there's all these shiny lights, and it's got a perfect paint job, and it's like, wow, I've never seen anything like that. That's like the promise of God. When God, when God speaks to you, right, you're like in worship, and God comes, and he's like, whispers to you, Sarah, I'm going to use you for this amazing thing, right? John, I'm going to use you to do this in the earth, and you're like, wow. You're like, you're looking at the concept car. You're like, that's amazing, and the shiny lights and the perfect paint job, and you're like, yeah, this is going to be incredible, the only problem is that, that concept car isn't roadworthy. <laughs> it's shiny and it's sparkly and it's awesome and it's the promise of God and it's true and he has it for you and it's coming. There's just a couple of stages that need to come first. <laughs> and then... And in research and development, and I'll just pause to say, listen, we're in a bigger hurry than God is. Look, we want, we want immediate outcomes when God wants to take us on a journey. God's less concerned with what he's building and is more concerned with who he's building. Listen, it's the process that strengthens us. Listen, it's the journey that prepares us to hold the promise. And so in, in, in research and development, right, you create this concept, and then there's this thing called the stress test. <laughs> Listen, you made this new awesome thing. You invented this new thing, right? Because we're what? A new creation. Something that never existed before, right? So you invent this new thing, the whirly-durly 2000, right? Whatever. You invent this new thing, you're like, you got this concept, you got this model, right? This is awesome. Now you're like, let's test it out. Right? And so the next thing that comes is the stress test. But listen, we have a good father, Somebody say, good father. We have a good father. And just like this inventor who's put his heart and his soul and passion into creating this thing, he's got the concept going, the working model. Listen, and now he wants to test it, not so that it fails, but so it succeeds. Listen, he's testing it through a certain lens. He's not testing it so it will break. He's got, he's got the shiny model in his mind. He's like, this is what it's going to look like. I need to put this in a stress test so I can make sure it gets to that. <laughs> Listen, God will give you a promise. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. But then, but then he'll test the promise, not to break you, but to build you. And it's all, it's all part of his plan. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> and so, and he's got this vision, like, he sees the same promise that you see because he's the one that gave it to you. He's like, yep, yeah, we're going there. 
we just got to go here first for a little bit. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> the concept car, so they build it, right? They got the concept, and then they build a working model, and then the next thing they do is they hit the test track. And they got all kinds of like, you know, it's got sharp curves, and it's got bumps, and it's got all this stuff, and they're like, we're going to drive this car, right? And we're going we're gonna to put it through all these tests and challenges, and we're going to stress this car to see just how close to the promise we are. But it's all, it's all through the lens of that I want it to succeed. This is my baby. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And God, and so you get this promise. You're like in worship. You're like, whoa, shiny. This is awesome. <laughs> Listen, the lights are shining. Every, in your vision, right, the lights are all on it, and everybody's like, whoa. I'm a standing ovation, and you're like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. That's where I'm headed, right? And then the next thing, you find yourself on the test track. <laughs> You're on the test, and, and God's, you know, shaking his stress test, and you're like, oh, let's see if the wheels fall off. <laughs> Why? Listen, because God, if the wheels are going to fall off, it's better for them to fall off on the test track than on the Grand Prix. <laughs> then we see the shiny, like the concept, oh, it's going to be amazing. And then, next thing we know, we wake up, we're on the test track, but guess what? They have the concept car, then they build a working model, and it's stripped down with none, none of the bells and whistles. <laughs> Listen, you're, you're on your track, right? And you're like, you, 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 saw the, you saw the concept, you saw the promise, you're like, this is awesome. And then next thing you know, you're on the track, and you're like, there's no AC in here. This thing doesn't even have a radio. There's no door panels. What's going on? And then you take off, and you're like, there's bumps in the road on purpose. <laughs> what are you doing to me, God? This isn't the promise. And here's the problem. I feel like God said that people, they hit the test track, and, the, and on the test track, they hit the eject button. Because they didn't realize that their good father, this, is, this was part of the promise. This was the journey. And we actually, and I actually believe that, that we hit the test track and our teeth are rattling. God's shaking. It's like, oh, the wheel's loose and there's no air conditioning. Like, this is the devil. Listen, and as soon as we say that, here comes the devil. Because what happened to Jesus when Jesus was, was baptized in the Jordan, it says that he, was, that he was filled with the Spirit of God. And then the next thing it says is that Spirit of God took him into the desert. You're like, wait a minute. I just got filled with the power of God. I'm the Savior of the world. Like, let's go do the stuff. God's like, yeah, let's go to the desert first. 
It literally, read it, Luke 4, Jesus who was filled with the Spirit of God, he take it, he's led into the desert. And then in the desert, he's fasting and he's hungry, and, and then the devil comes, and what does the devil do? The first thing the devil does is question his identity. He says that Jesus was hungry, he fasted for 40 days, he's hungry. And the devil comes and says, if you're the son of God, they turn these stones into bread. Just before that, the, the spirit descended upon Jesus, and the father said, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. The devil just came to question the promise. The question of identity. That, that is, this, is this really what God said? So we're on the test track. We're like, oh, concept car. And then we're like stripped down, model nothing. And there's dips in the road that are there on purpose. And speed bumps and sharp turns. And oh, like, what is happening to me? Like, this is the devil. And as soon as we say that, here comes the devil. And he's like, yeah, is that what God really said? Yeah, you saw that shiny con, that was, you knew it was too good to be true. You knew that wasn't really your promise anyway. You were just standing next to that other guy in worship. That promise was for him. You were just peeking into his promise. That wasn't really ever for you. And then right there, we hit the eject button. And we're like, whoa, that, that wasn't God. And maybe it doesn't happen that quickly. Maybe it's the devil keeps whispering on your, in your ear on the first lap, the second lap, the third lap. At some point, we're like, that wasn't for me. I'm not called. I'm not gifted. I'm not anointed enough. I don't have enough favor on my life. But God was trying to take you into his promise the whole time. But he was trying to take you, in a, there, you there in a way that the promise itself wouldn't crush you. That, that years ago, I've shared this a couple of times at different points, I believe. But years ago, I was, I was walking down the, the hallway at a church in Reading. And um, I was just going between meetings. I, I, like, it wasn't even, it wasn't worship time. It was, I was just like cruising down the hallway and the inner audible voice of God, like very clearly, God spoke to me. I'm just cruising down the hallway, and God says, hey, did you know lack is just a test? And I responded, like in my spirit, like I was like, yes. Like I know lack is just a test because, God, I know you're good. I know you're good, and I know that lack isn't your desire for us. It's not your plan for us. It's not your promise for us that you have abundance for us, that you want fullness for us. God, yeah, yes, like lack is a test. I, yeah, I get that. Honestly, I was like, yeah, I get that. But then he said this. He said, he said when you pass the tech test of lack, it prepares you for abundance. And I'm like, I'm like, awesome. I'm like, God, I'm tracking. This is good. I'm tracking. I'm with you. And then he said this, though. He says, but did you know that abundance is also just a test? <laughs> I had the same reaction you did. 
And I was like, whoa. I was like, honestly, I was like taken back. I was like, uh, I, 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 I don't know if I knew that. If I'm being, I'm like, uh, wait a minute. I'm like, lack is a test. I know that to prepare us for abundance. I got that. But isn't abundance your goal for us? He said abundance is also just a test. And then he said this. He said the way that you pass the test of lack and the test of abundance is the exact same way. The question is, in lack or abundance, where is your heart anchored? And Paul, Philippians 4, I know how to abound, I know how to base. I'm not going to go there again for time. <clears throat> I know how to abound, I know how to base. Uh, to, have, uh, to have much or to have lack, to be in the palace or in the prison. I've learned the key to be successful in whatever state I'm in. Because I've learned that the key is where my heart is anchored. Then, listen, listen, then, then he said this, then he said, then he said, when you pass the test of abundance, it prepares you to carry the greater glory. Wow, I was, I was undone. The point, the point is that God said lacks a test, abundance of tests. There's tests on this journey, but it's a journey. There are tests that are taking us somewhere. That God's got a plan the whole time. Come on. God's got a plan. He's got a trajectory. He's taking us where? To the greater glory. <laughs> but to get to the greater glory, we can't hit the eject button at lack. You know, some of, the, um, some of the greatest breakthroughs in God, some of the greatest miracles, some of the greatest things we've seen, at first it appeared that nothing happened. I've told you, uh, depending on how long you've been, been with us, you've heard me. The, one of the greatest miracles we ever saw was a seven-story tall hospital in Nebraska, 80% emptied out. I don't think you heard me. <laughs> Listen, it wasn't, it wasn't in China. It wasn't in Africa. It was in Nebraska. Which, which happens to be the geographic center of the nation. <clears throat> we, were, we were literally 20 miles from the, the actual physical center line between the two coasts of our nation. And afterwards, God said, do you know why I'm doing that here? I said, no, why, God? He said, because this is the heart, and as it goes with the heart, so it goes with the body. <clears throat> Eight-story, seven-story, sorry, seven-story tall hospital. So we go in there as a team, right, and we pray through the hospital, and we literally, we literally saw zero miracles. Zero. Like, we saw nobody healed. We hardly got to pray for anybody. We took a team of, like, I forget, it was, like, 20 people or something. We split up two by two, and we went every direction, every hall, every level, every floor, and we're carrying the presence of God. We're carrying this promise because we literally, the hospital wasn't even on the plans, the agenda. Uh, God spoke 
to us prophetically, and we felt like he directed us to the hospital. So we had this promise. And we're, we're carrying this promise around down every hallway, every corridor, and we are, like, not finding anybody. We're not praying for anybody. We're not seeing any, anything happen. But we're carrying this promise with expectancy, just like, well, it's not here. It's got to be around the corner. Oh, it's not there. It must be around the next corner. And we end up covering the whole, the whole hospital floor to ceiling with the expectancy of God. Come on, Jesus. And afterwards, we, we get back in the bus. You know, we went out two by two, and we get back in the bus, and everybody's like, did you pray for anybody? No. Did you get to pray for anybody? No. Did you see anything happen? No. Did you see anything happen? No. And like literally, the whole team, on a prophetic unction for God, we went to the hospital and saw nothing happen. Zero. And I got on the bus, and I'm like, guys, I don't understand. I stood up at the front of the bus. I said, guys, I don't understand what just happened. I know God sent us. I know he's good. That's a good place to start. I said, so let's do this. I don't understand his ways, but let's give God thanks right now like we just saw the craziest miracles we could ever imagine. Let's do that. And people stood up on the bus and exploded in praise and thanksgiving, like rocking the bus. God, you're so good. And we did that for nothing. But we did, but in the kingdom, what looks like nothing is never nothing. And so we go, we drive away. The next day we get a call from the hospital and this boy who was dying on oxygen, a team got to go in and pray for him. Nothing happened in the moment they prayed. But the next day, they didn't even know what was wrong with him. But he was dying. They couldn't figure it out. He was dying. The next day they sent him home completely healed. Completely well. So now we had a real reason to thank God. We, yeah, God, we gave him thanks as a team all over again. The day after that, we got a call from a nurse who works at the hospital, and she said, "You never believe what what's happened." She said, "Since you guys came and prayed, fifty percent of the hospital has got up, checked themselves out, and gone home." Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> she said, what's crazier is no new patients have checked in. The next day after that, she said, she called again. She said, she said you never believe it. 80% of the hospital, 80% of the patients have gotten up, checked themselves out, and gone home. The place, the place is a ghost town. And still, no new patients coming in. The crazy thing is that that hospital stayed, stayed empty, 80% empty, seven stories tall. So you do the math. That hospital stayed empty for nine months, 80% empty, and then it, and then it started to slowly build up again after nine months. It took about a couple months, and it reach full capacity again, because normally it was full almost all the time. It reached full capacity. The only, the only problem was 12 months had now gone by, and it was t time for our team to come for another visit. <laughs> Listen, the day our team landed at the airport, the, the hospital emptied out by over 50%. 
That within two days, it was at 80%, and it stayed 80% for another four and a half years until the hospital went out of business and they sold the hospital. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Listen, God's, God's ways are higher than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. He's always doing more than we can see. He's always doing more than we could think or imagine. And this, the thing... The thing about being on the test track is the test track is actually fun when you realize that's where you are. The, the stress test, the test track is only not fun when you think it's the race. And you're like, Why are, where are these potholes? Like, there, God, it feel like you put that there on purpose. He's like, I did. And you're like, there's extra speed bumps. And like, what happened to the air conditioner? Like, my car's not even painted. What is going on? This isn't the promise. And we get all stressed out and wigged out because we're like, this isn't the promise. This isn't the race you said I'm supposed to be running. And we hit the eject button. And not realizing what place in the race we're in. Listen, when you realize that you're on the test track, it can be fun. I have a friend here that took me, he's a, he trains race car drivers. And a couple months ago, he took me out on the track and I got to drive a race car. It was awesome. <laughs> Listen, it was awesome and that thing was stripped down. That thing had no air conditioning, had no radio, had no door panels, had no back seat, had nothing except for a souped up engine <laughs> and a steering wheel. <laughs> but listen, we were on the test track. We were on the test track. Why? One, because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Listen, listen, look, look you're, you don't want to put me in the Grand Prix. Not only for my sake, but for the sake of everybody else around. Did you get it? <laughs> when I wreck my car, I'm not just going to damage myself. I could damage a whole bunch of other people. But if I spend time on the test track, and when you realize you're on the test track, because I knew I was on the test track, I knew why there was no radio. I knew why there wasn't a fancy paint job. I knew, and I'm like, this is awesome. I have no idea what I'm doing, and I get to play. No pressure. And we're doing awesome stuff, right? We're like, we're doing J-turns and going backwards, and we're like, stuff I never heard of, like taking this hairpin turn. He's like, yeah, you got to go give it this juice and do this and torque in the wheels and you slingshot out of the turn. And I'm like, what? 
this is crazy, but it's awesome, because I knew we were on the test track. Now, if he's telling me that, and I think I'm in the Grand Prix, I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? I can't do this. I'm going to die. I'm going to kill somebody. What are you doing to me? Isn't that how we talk to God sometimes? <laughs> Listen, God's into the journey. When you realize that you're on a journey with God, you're supposed to enjoy the journey. You can have fun. And when the promise comes, yeah, God's going to shake you. But the, he's shaking you not to break you, he's shaking to build you. He's shaking you to show you what you have, not what you don't have. He's shaking you that if your will does come off, he's like, oh, great, let's get it fixed now before we put you on the real track. Thank you, Jesus. I thought it was a good word. Now, now here's, here's the thing. Our God is a good, a good God. And our God is the redeemer of the time. If, if somebody's available. <clears throat> the, our God is the redeemer of the time. And I feel like that there's people in the room that God gave you a promise. You had your shiny concept car moment. And you're like, wow, it's going to be amazing. And then only it didn't feel amazing. And we mistakenly look at the test track and think, oh, no. God, where'd you go? This isn't the promise. This isn't what it's supposed to look like. This isn't how it's supposed to go. This must be the work of the devil. And then here comes the devil. And he's like, yeah, that, that promise wasn't really for you. God didn't really call you. Listen, when you, if, you're called to, if you're called to see thousands of people saved, I love Renee's story. First person she prayed for on the street was a blind man. She shared this before. and She walks up to her, her and her friend walks up to him and says, excuse me, sir, can I pray for you? He says, beep, get out of here with a lot more beeps. <laughs> and she went away just about in tears, like, God, that's not what was supposed to happen. You've been giving me this promise. And later that year, <clears throat> she went on a mission trip. She pushed through that. She's like, God, what was that about? And God said, <clears throat> I wanted to show you what the worst that could happen would be. Hey, once you, once you learn that lesson, now you're ready to go. And then later that year, she went with a team. They went on a mission trip to Africa, and, and they saw 11 blind eyes open. Look, God's got you on a journey towards his greater glory. 
And if he's got you in a test, don't do this. Don't go, this is the devil. And I knew it couldn't be for me. I knew the promise was too good. I knew I wasn't qualified. Don't hit the eject button on the promises of God. If you have a promise and then you find yourself in a test, do this. Say, God, what are you teaching me right now? What are you teaching me right now? What am I supposed to learn in this moment? What are you showing me? God, is my heart anchored in the right place? Because I know that you're good. Listen, can I tell you? There's one place that is really good to have thick glasses. And that's wearing the God is good lens. This side of the room didn't get it. <laughs> the, the God is good lens. Because, listen, when, you, when you're looking through the lens that God is good and you, you hit the, the speed bumps and you hit the dips in the road and you're like, oh, it's hot. What happened to the air conditioner? Why is there no radio? This isn't, a, this isn't cush. If you're not looking through the lens of God is good, all of a sudden you're like, this is the devil, and here comes the devil. But if you look through the lens of God is good, you realize, oh, I'm on the test track. This is awesome. God's teaching me about hair turn, hairpin turns, and torque, and slingshotting, and all kinds of stuff. I didn't know this is awesome. God, what else do you want me to know? Are you ready for God to restore some dreams, to reconnect people with some promises? God is the redeemer of the time. And here's what, I, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that people hit the eject button on the promise along the way, several people in the room, but God is... Listen, when we repent, God restores it like it never happened. And I see God putting you back on the promise. And it, even if it was 20 years ago, and you're like, oh, man, I hit that eject button. But it was so long ago. There's no way that I could still fulfill the promise that God has for me. I tell you, he's the redeemer of time. He's not bound by time the way that we are. Listen, when you, when you repent, when he puts you back on, it can be like no time lapsed at all. Thank you, Jesus. That makes sense to anybody in the room. If you want... If you want thicker, God is good glasses. Thicker, Coke, Coke bottle thick. God is good. 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 This is, I want to invite you to stand to your feet tonight.
Thank you, Jesus. Just put your hand on your heart. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you reconciled me to a good father. And Father, I choose to recognize that you are good all the time and that you are taking me from glory to glory, that you have me on a journey to the greater glory. And I just want you... I want to give you a moment between you and God, and I want you to let God show you if there's any places that you hit the eject button. He had something for you, but we got a little scared. We misunderstood the season. When we repent, he restores it like it never happened. If he shows you somewhere that you hit the eject button, or maybe you just put on the e-brake, just tell him that you're sorry. And I want you to see him restoring you back to the promise. Yes, he has the concept car for you. And it's closer than you think. Last thing I I want you to say, and we say, Jesus, I commit to enjoy the test track, to have a whole lot of fun, and to rip it up in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.